Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Heading to the airport. It's so early in the morning and there's so much traffic. It's just after 8 a.m., and I'm traveling to meet the person who completely turned around the Robert Hansen case. All passengers, please make your way through security. And please double-check to make sure that your seatbelts are securely fastened. The 17-year-old sex worker who risked everything to speak out against her attacker, Cindy Paulson. This is Mind of a Monster, The Butcher Baker, Episode 7. They bleed like everybody else. Were you handcuffed at that time? Yep. See, that's when I thought he was going to shoot me downstairs. Why? Why did you think that? Gosh, I don't know. I just got the strangest feeling this guy was going to shoot me. And I was really upset. I was really nervous. This is a tape of Cindy talking to lead investigator Glenn Flothy. Three months earlier, she had been driven to Hanson's house, raped, and chained up for five hours. Hanson then drove her to his airplane where she ran from the car and escaped him, still handcuffed. I knew, you know, I'm getting the fuck out of there. So I just waited. Finally, I just was so scared, I just ran. Did he run after you? Yeah, with a gun. Did he say anything? He said, I'm going to get you. In the 40 years since that moment, Cindy has never spoken in public about her ordeal and the impact it had on her life. But that's about to change. Just pulling in to get my rental car. Part of our agreement to meet with Cindy now is that we do not say where she lives or use her real name, which, spoiler alert, is not Cindy. My driver's license? Okay. Great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Her story illuminates the attitudes of the police, the heroes, the anti-heroes of this case. Her perspective as a sex worker is unlike anything you've ever heard or experienced before. She can fill us in on gaps we know nothing about, like what happened when she disappeared and why. And we're officially off. 
My drive from the airport is around two and a half hours through stunning mountain passes. And as I wind my way through the snowy caps, I listen to Cindy's tapes again. He came over to me and sat down and just stared at me. I saw crying. I told him all I want to do is go home to my mom. Your mom? Yeah. I've been listening to her tapes, the original tapes, the tapes that we got from her interviews with police. And I can't keep it together. I've been crying the entire time. She's a little girl. She's somebody's daughter. It is my sincere hope that we can do her justice by telling this part of the story. I've just arrived at the hotel and I am totally running late. And um, I'm worried she's gonna get there before I can check in. I don't find myself usually nervous for interviews. Oops. But I just feel like this is so important. I'm gonna go check in now. Hi. Hello. How are you? I am so good, how are you? I get into my hotel room and I get changed in about four minutes flat. And then I head back down to the hotel lobby where Cindy is waiting. I'm nervous. Hi, I'm Michelle. Hi, can I give you a hug? <laughs> Cindy is in her late 50s now, and when I see her, she's sitting right next to the entrance on one of those standard hotel leather couches. She's cool, she looks like she could have ridden up on a Harley, and she's chatting with her friend and AA sponsor, Vicky. Nice to meet you, Vicky. Do you care to come with us to yeah. dinner? Yeah, we'd love to have you. Um, should we just hop in my car? We're gonna sit down for a proper interview tomorrow, but right now I just wanna take Cindy out and get to know her a little. Stay in the right Stay lane. Okay. Right. Oh, I see it. Yeah. yeah. So we head round the corner to a Mexican restaurant. I'm just gonna park over here. Yeah. We got a little clothes, cozy little nook in the back. Okay. Just cool that we can hang out. Yeah. I mean, do you guys mind a little bit of a walk? No worries. No worries. Getting ready to go yeah. on vacation anyways. We're yeah. Where are you going? Um, we're going to Washington, D.C. and New York. Okay. That could not... Those are my two favorite places. That is so Got much it. fun. <laughs> Cindy's speaking Spanish. <laughs> Thank you. We sit in a booth and over guac and chips, the chat gets deep pretty quickly. My life before Hanson was a trial to say the least. How old were you when you ran away? Um, like 12. Where did you, where does, where does a 12 year old go? I'm gonna stop recording just so we can okay. talk more freely. I just said goodbye to Cindy and her sponsor. We had a really nice dinner. They were both very open and Cindy was very open and she didn't seem nervous at all. Maybe a little guarded, but she didn't seem nervous and that made me happy. I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's interview because from tonight I can tell that she has such interesting stories and she's got such an incredible attitude. 
The next morning, it's a cold gray day outside and I'm feeling anxious. Cindy and her sponsor are here, so I just got a text and I am gonna go meet them in the lobby. I just feel like this is a really big deal. This is someone who's going to walk me through her personal trauma, trauma that most people couldn't even imagine, and I don't know how I'm gonna react to it, much less how she's gonna react to telling it. Hello, ladies. How are you? Good to see you. Oh, you smell good. Good, thank you. I like that perfume. Hi, Nikki. I put lemon spray on. I like it. I like the lemon spray. Um, so I think we'll, I mean, if you guys are ready, we'll just go upstairs oh, yeah. to the, how are you feeling? Are you nervous? Are you good? No, I'm good. Okay. No, you make it very easy. Thank you. Know, you. I'm a goofy girl with a microphone and a degree. And that's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need. Our sound guy, Carlos, has set up microphones above a couple of couches in a very large, very cold hotel suite. I should, I should have brought my little lap blanket, huh? I might see if there's a blanket over here that we could just give you. As we get the heaters blasting, Cindy sits down and she pulls the blanket around her, leaning her elbow on the arm of the couch. It feels a little bit like a sleepover, like two teenagers about to share secrets. Get comfy, girl. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm cozy right now. Yeah, we're just gonna turn it off and get, and get yep. started. Et voilà. Cindy looks composed and ready. Now it's her turn to tell her story. I want to start at the beginning. Okay. So tell me what your family was like. Tell me about your childhood. I grew up in a home with four teenage sisters. I was happy-go-lucky. Um, even though I was being physically molested sexually by um, a person that I thought loved me and I loved them, and surely they all loved this neighbor so, and nobody nobody would say anything and and i didn't know it was wrong until one day sitting on his lap on the couch he said you know if you tell they won't believe you how long was that molestation going on um it, it was going on from the age i remember is nine so you're, you're this, as I understand, this happy-go-lucky little girl. Obviously, you're being abused by your neighbor, but you don't even recognize it as abuse. Every family has its secret skeletons. But um, I guess mine had more than I could live with. Can you explain that? My mother wasn't my mother, and my father wasn't my father. And here I find out that my sisters, my mother, why didn't they tell me? I felt betrayed. Cindy tells me that her mom had her when she was just 15, and her mom's parents, Cindy's grandparents, adopted her as a baby. When she was nine, she found out at a family party. At that time, um, we families were always taught, you know, keep your secrets in the closet. You know, it was a generation. Um, my mother, at the time, was, everything was hush-hush. 15-year-old girls go away and have babies, and they adopt them out. I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like um, 
my life had been a lie. And so um, I rebelled against my family. What did your rebellion look like? What did you do? Um, my rebellion looked like I started skipping school, smoking cigarettes, and then um, they sent me to live with my mother. With your mom, your biological yeah, yeah, mother? Yeah, And my mom worked the graveyard at her job. She didn't even know I hadn't been going to school. That maybe the first few weeks they called her. So for a year, I had been going out, hooking with my friends, making money so we could go to Seattle. Hooking, sex work. At this time, Cindy was 11. How did your friend know where to go to start hooking? We know where to go and what part of town to go to. I had, I, I knew some relatives, I had relatives that were a little bit on the um, wild side, real wild side, and um, I knew where they went, and she did too. She knew people, and so that's where we would go. So then what happened? I knew I caused problems in, in everybody's lives up until that point. So let, I felt like the, the common denominator was me, so let me remove me from the problem. And that'll solve it for everybody. You left home. What did you say? I don't say nothing. I just leave. You run away, essentially, yeah. then. Yeah, okay. and I'm staying in Seattle on Pacific Highway in a hotel. And I look every bit of 18. And you're 13 or 12? I'm 12. 12, just a little older than my own kids. From here, Cindy flitted across the country, ending up in Juvie in Denver, and then flying to Hawaii at age 13. Did you go by yourself? Well, I had this one girlfriend. Her name was Cover Girl. She's a beautiful black, black girl. And um, she was with this guy named Cleve, so he was a pimp. Mm -hmm. So we're all in Hawaii, and we, as soon as we got there, we hit the beach. Just had a hellacious time had a blast and then when we got done there we came to los angeles and um from la we drove to texas were you afraid like when you're 12 13 14 years old you're living in hotels now you have a pen uh -huh. did you have fear no wow we were traveling you know but when you look at a 12 year old now and think of what they do and what they know versus what you were doing, does that seem like, a? what does that feel like for you? Um, it scares me. Mm. It scares me. Explain to me how you came to be in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm in Portland. And um, I meet And um, I'm not 16 yet. He's 22. And he thinks I am 22. Okay, so that beep there? That's us beeping the name of Cindy's pimp. We didn't want to, but here's what happens. Sex workers get arrested a lot, and they go on record as sex workers. But their pimps, not so much. They get to hide in the background, and the police rarely go after them. So we can't prove this guy was a pimp, and if we can't prove it, we have to beep his name. And then all of a sudden, I get arrested really quick. Boom, boom, really a lot. And then we need to change up 
In Portland, Cindy's arrested multiple times, but no one checks her real age or her real name, and no one tries to find her parents. To avoid the heat, Cindy and her pimp find themselves right in the center of Boomtown Anchorage, working the 4th Avenue Strip. What were your impressions of Alaska? It was raw and rugged. It was the last frontier. Usually in, in Portland, you can always get at least 200, 250 a night. Alaska was anywhere from 1,000 to 5,000 a night. Just doing it, you know what I mean? And if, if you're busy, you're busy. Wow, that's incredibly lucrative. I mean, especially in context of that's the yeah. 80s. Yeah. We used to go and it would be jewelry store, first store, jewelry store, first store. And we used to have custom made furs. All my furs were custom made. And um, we would go and, some, and put our furs. If we got in trouble, we could bail out with our furs. The way Cindy talks about these years, it's so real. She even enjoyed some of it. I mean, she liked the furs and the jewelry and the traveling and the beaches in Hawaii. But of course, there's also the darker side. Now, is acting as your pimp at this time. Uh -huh. So two questions. Did he know how much you were bringing and what cut did he expect? He got it all and he knew. And he, I would tell him what I wanted or he'd take me shopping or bring me jewelry. But you gave him all of it. Mm -hmm. When I got up and got ready to go, there'd be like $100 on the table. Is that standard? Do pimps expect all of it and then they take yeah. care of you? Uh-huh. That doesn't seem fair to me. It, it's not. It's not. And um, it's really particular. He's very strict. I can't hang with other hoes. What do you think that was about? Well, because if I'm doing that, I'm not taking care of his business take care of your business and come home, you know? Did he treat you well? Um, used to beat my ass sometimes. I wasn't allowed to drink or smoke weed. And sometimes he would, I would get mouthing. And um, because you gotta remember, he thought I was 20, 20 some years old. And I was only 17. It's from this life that Robert Hansen plucked Cindy one night in June of 1983. Did he tell you what his name was? Okay, it was Don, and then after we were at his place, he was going to take me to the airport. He was saying about Bob. We're going to talk a little bit about the abduction and rape, but be, well, we really want to be sensitive about bringing up any memories and flooding you. I, and, I can handle it. Really? Verbatim. In your interviews, you talked a bit about what Robert looked like. What did you think of him? I thought he was like somebody's grandpa, you know? He looked normal. He looked like just a regular old trick, you know? Just harmless. Didn't think twice about it. Really? But with other men, you would sometimes be nervous? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then you're in the car with him. When did you know it was all going horribly wrong? We go down Maldoon Road to his house, and I see his biggest sign dead in. My gut hit bottom. I knew I was in deep shit. And then he pulled the car into the garage so nobody could see me. And then you get out of the car in the basement. 
this way and then the landing and then this way. He sat and sat in the chair and he had me cuffed and that chair upside down so fast it made my head spin. Boom. Okay, let's be cool, calm, collective. You know, you gotta think, you gotta think. So your brain is moving. Mo yeah, my brain's moving. What, what the fuck is he doing, you know? And um, then I started memorizing. Memorizing, memorizing, memorizing. Because I wasn't saying nothing. I just kept my mouth shut. He called the bears came right around. And all the time he kept telling me, don't worry, I'm not gonna hurt you if you cooperate. And then for a minute, after he had had sex with me on the bear skin rug, he left my hand handcuffed and my neck tied. And he laid down on the couch. And um, I'm laid there, chained by the neck and handcuffed. And there's a bullet hole at the bottom, a 22, and you can see it's a 22. So I know somebody's been shot here. Probably a head wound, okay? So I know this. So I need to be very aware of what I'm doing. Now I thought, hmm, there are pool sticks on top of the table. Do I take the pool sticks and hit him with the hard one and then stab him? There's gonna be a fight for the gun. I don't know what's in here, what's in there. There's toys in there. Kids are involved. I hope you're hearing what I'm hearing, because I think most people in Cindy's situation would panic, scream. But in the five hours Cindy is chained next to Robert Hansen's kid's toy box, she doesn't do any of that. She thinks, she calculates, and she remembers. Then Hansen gets up and takes her back to his car. He said, okay. And I got dressed, handcuffs. And by now, he had them so tight that he says, get in the back and lay down. And I said, okay. And I know everything in the room, everything's my, burnt, my mind. And he covers me up in the back seat. So then when we get to the airport, all the doors are locked, right? But in order for him to get out of the Buick, he has to hit unlock. And when he hits unlock, it unlocks all the doors. I'm, and I'm kind of lifting up my head and I'm watching him go from the trunk to the airplane, to the trunk, to the airplane. And I just, I think my foot opened the door and my hit the ground and I just took off running. And then I see him get that gun and say, stop, I'm gonna shoot you. I'm gonna shoot you, and I'm just running down the gravel. Did you have shoes on? No. So you're running barefoot down Merrill Field, and he's chasing you with a gun. Yeah, and I'm hearing in my head every one of them voices screaming, run, run, bitch, run. It's like every one of them women were in my head telling me, run, run. We're gonna divert here for a moment because as I hear Cindy saying this, sitting across the room from me, my heart skips a beat. You see, Cindy is the second of Hans's survivors we've spoken to in the series. The first was dancer Christy Hayes, who escaped Hansen's camper van in 1979. I'm gonna take you back to her interview right now. I ran out of the passenger side. I escaped running butt naked through 
rocks and sticks and trees and barbed wire. And I kept hearing these girls saying, who's he got now? Oh my God, it's Christy. It's Christy. There are only two women who actively ran away from Hanson and almost certain death, and they both remember hearing the voices of other victims in their heads as they ran for their lives. Back to Cindy's story. And I'm just going. And, and all I can, in my mind, all I remember is the blood of my handcuffs. And I'm flagging down the first, first car I see is the white Ford truck. I said, help me, this guy's trying to kill me. This guy's trying to kill me. Tell me about the guy in there. He was just crazy looking at me. Are you all right? Are you all right? Calm down, it's okay. I said, help me, help me. He said, don't worry about it. Poor man. Because when I told him, stop, here, turn, 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 stop. He was freaking out, you know. Could you imagine? He's just trying to drive to work. Yeah, exactly. Why didn't you want to go to the police? Because... I'm a hooker. I'm on a date. The guy. You somehow thought you'd be in trouble. Exactly. The police are going to be after me. God, that's so effed up. Yeah, isn't that? And then he takes me to my motel and it's there. And I said, look, he said, oh, my God, just soak your hands. Are you okay?" I said, no, that fucker tried to kill me. He said, man, I don't know what to do. This motherfucker tried to kill her and she's all crazy. And he went to his brother because he knew the police was coming and he didn't want to get busted. Chicken shit. Chicken shit. And so now he's left you all alone in the room. Uh Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, bam, bam, bam. It was Officer Baker. And I'm freaking out, totally hysterical. And he knows I'm not a hysterical person. I've had dealings with him. I said, I'm going to let you in, but back away from the door. And I didn't do nothing wrong. Cindy was in the room by herself. She was still handcuffed. I, of course, had a handcuff key. And uh, subsequently, I took the handcuffs off of her, tried to calm her down. She was extremely distraught. And trying to tell me what happened, you know, in one sentence. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one best-selling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for your year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like are you an overbuyer or an underbuyer, a morning person or a night person, abundance lover or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm in a room with Cindy Paulson, almost exactly 40 years after she was kidnapped and raped by Robert Hansen. Back then, in 1983... Police officer Greg Baker has just found the teenage Cindy in a motel room, hysterical, bleeding, and in handcuffs. Oh my gosh. Greg's eyes were the size of, like, um, gobstoppers. He had the look of sheer shock and terror because he knew from the look of terror in my face and my the way that I was going away from him, telling him I didn't do it, I didn't do it. He knew that something terrible had happened. And so he, he was very gentle. From there, you'll remember that Cindy goes to the hospital and a rape kit is performed. On the way over, she spots Hanson's plane. And it's not long before Hanson himself is in the station talking to Greg's superior investigator. And this is where everything falls apart. A cursory search of Hansen's house is carried out, and he is let go without charges. But I want to know what happens to Cindy. I was being interrogated. Um, I didn't think anybody cared. Because Greg originally talked to you, but then you end up you end up talking to Greg's superior. He ends up interviewing you. What were your thoughts about him, your impression? Uh, he was a jerk. He didn't believe me. I was just so, I was lying. He said, no matter what I said, he had something to counter it. So he had made a decision. Yeah. I think that Baker's boss had, didn't, didn't like prostitutes or dancers. He was totally against us and he believed Hanson 100%. I remember more than one time the upstanding member in the community, you know? Mm, upstanding member of the community. I wanted them to let me go as soon as possible. The police could hurt me more than, than anything else, and I needed to get away from them. 
In the police report, it says that Greg Baker's superior asks Cindy to take a lie detector test, and she says no. As soon as she gets out of the station, she skips town with her pimp. Glenn Flothy asked her about this time four months later during his interview. I didn't take a lie detector test, but I should have, but I, I will take one. Why didn't you? Because at the time, I really couldn't, because I was up here with someone else, and, you know, that person was ready to go, and I didn't want to be left here, because I loved the person a lot, you know, and I needed them at the time, and I didn't realize that I really didn't need them. I didn't realize that I really didn't need him. Cindy's talking about her pimp. Because here's what happens. Cindy stays with her pimp's mom in Portland, but Cindy keeps getting arrested. So what does her pimp do? He sends her up to Anchorage again, this time alone to the place where her rapist walks free. Like Cindy said before, chicken shit. So your relationship with ended? Yeah. Okay. He should have never sent me back up there. So since you were 15, you've been with this one pimp and now you're alone. How does that make you feel? There's nothing I could do about it. You know, I, I was so numb at this point. Mm. And, and I had to work there. So I knew I had to stay away from the police and I had to stay away from Hanson. I cannot imagine being stuck between this terrifying guy who raped you and then the police. You have nowhere to go for help. There's nowhere that's safe. You know, I hope to God you never, ever, ever have to feel that way. But um, life's like that sometimes. There's going to always be boogeymans. I needed the money, not the things. And so I started dancing in the clubs. And f see, there is, there is no Cindy. She's, she's, she's down there somewhere or wherever. There's nobody else from my previous life. Felicia emerges in her full bloom. Mm. And let me tell you, Felicia is fantastic. Felicia is fast. She can do just about anything. She is Felicia. As we go further into Cindy's story, you'll see that names hold a great amount of meaning in her life. This shift to Felicia isn't even her first change in persona. I just made up that name, Cindy Paulson, going up to um, Alaska. Mm. It's just the first alias that came out of my name. For now, the newly christened Felicia is off the streets, indoors and dancing at a club called Miss Kitties. She's lost her pimp, a guy she loved. She's reeling from Hanson's attack, and she's trying to forget it all. That's when I learned about alcohol and that I could have big bottles. And I know I could drink and I could pass out for coats in the front yard. Yeah. That's okay, they, co they make full length ones. <laughs> well, so when, when you're drinking, and I imagine you're using probably some drugs at that oh, point. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot of cocaine. I was numb. Yeah. Yeah. And then he came in the club. He meaning Hanson? Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. It scared me. I said, oh my God, oh my God, there he is, that's him. And it's like the bouncers ran and got him out. There's a moment in Glenn Flothy's 1984 interview transcript where he describes this. During the search of his properties, we found his crime kit. Wigs, false mustaches. 
Because he was out on the avenue so much, he was getting worried. I mean, he's been doing this now for 14 years, so he figured out he better come up with a disguise because they were starting to spot him on the street. In fact, one time he spotted his car on the street and all of the hookers and pimps went down there and trashed it, just trashed it. Broke the windows out and everything. So he started wearing these disguises, you know, hats and wigs. Can you imagine some guy coming in a bar with a $2 wig on? I mean, that's exactly what it was. Hanson's prowling, trying to catch me, kill me. Catch me, kill me if he can. And during this time, I meet with Glenn. Okay. And they're trying to build this case. I want to talk about Glenn Flothy a little bit. Glenn, he's just one in a million. And um, that feeling is, is the most sheer, deepest, that's a God thing. How did you begin to trust him? We would do, go and eat and do things, and he would talk to me. He would talk to me like I was a kid my age and ask me about things I like to do. He, he would just treat me like a kid and be gentle. Yeah, you could feel he cared for you. Yeah, he believed me. He believed you. And nobody else did. It wasn't like I was a prostitute. He treated me like a human being. Can I play you some things that Glenn said about you? Yeah. Here she was. She's out on the street doing just incredible things these women do as a matter of course in life. It's unreal. And then on the other hand, she talks about teddy bears and stuffed toys and wanting the things that she never had as a child. She reminded me a lot of my daughter. She had that little girl in her. She was a little girl that never grew up. What's your reaction to that? I never had that as a child. I never, I never went out on a date. Had anyone ever treated you like a kid before, like a child of your proper age? No. They didn't have a clue. Did you miss having a normal childhood? Yeah. Yeah, I longed for it. I longed to play with other kids, you know? What, what, was, what was that like? What was dressing up to go to the movies or, what was dating? I know I heard my sisters talk about it, you know? I never did that. I never got to do that. So he saw that in you? Yeah. What was that like to finally have this man who I could tell that too. Comforting. Could trust Glenn, you know, um, someone that, like a God almost. I, in, in, in what we would say, a higher power in AA. And you know it, it's not, he's not going to hurt you. But, but you could tell him anything and he's got you. Was he the first person you shared all that with? Yeah. I could tell him my name. Your real name. I could tell him my name. But right at this time, when Cindy can talk to Glenn for the first time as herself, her other life, Felicia's life, is falling apart. She's working in a massage parlor, doing sex work again for a pimp named Billy. 
There's a lot of cocaine, and there's guns, there's death threats and fights. And then, on the 3rd of February, two weeks before Hansen's trial for her rape and kidnapping, Cindy moves out of the massage parlor without telling Glenn Flothy. You disappeared for a while, and Glenn had to go find you. What did you, where, where had you gone? And, and I, I think maybe I just, I don't even remember. Glenn said he was really worried about you. He said that um, your life was pretty hard and that your pimp wasn't treating you right. Does that, did that ring a bell for you? Um, I think you were with, you were at a massage parlor. I probably went because I didn't want to go back to the massage parlor. Because Billy's getting upset. Yeah, yeah. I need a, a way to get away from him. And, and to be truthful, I couldn't go to Albanians with court case hanging over my head because they're going to think I'm a snitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Albanians, the mafia, the people sex workers like Cindy could go for protection from angry pimps. I was in a limbo. Was it hard to be clear-headed at this point? Because there's a lot of drugs happening. You're not sleeping a ton. Oh, I'm not sleeping at all. Um, It just was too much going on. My life was shit. I couldn't do anything. My um, living situation, the court situation, I couldn't get my life together because this court thing, you know, it's like, come on, I can't catch a break. Okay. You all call Glenn, Glenn comes and saves you. And he takes you off the street and puts you with a family. Tell me about the 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 family. The honey family. Bad. It was bad. It was honey in the tea. I need to get the hell out of here. This is not working. What were they like? Um, They were nice and asked too many questions and had too many rules and I couldn't sleep. I needed some dope. And it was like, get me out of here, Glenn. I can't even have coffee. It's gotta be tea. I gotta go, bud. I got to go. It's just 17 days between the time Cindy goes to the safe house and Hanson confesses to his crime and is brought to court for sentencing. Time enough for Cindy to live yet another life. But. Glenn would tell me, just trust me, we're going to get him. If I have to take his whole basement apart and put it up in the, in the courtroom, I will do that. And he ain't going nowhere. I got him. I'm never going to let him hurt you again. So tell me about court. You're sitting in the gallery, right? Yeah, in the first row. First row. Yes. Tell me about that. I mean, Hanson's over there, and I'm over here. Cindy uses her hands to indicate that she and Hanson are less than a few feet apart. He's sitting in the front with his lawyers, and she's right behind him. And he he pleads guilty, and he turns, and, and he's leaning back in his chair, and he looks at me. I've never seen of something so evil in my life. Like, the look, the look was Satan himself. I mean, he transformed his face. His eyeballs were black. And it was just, if 
I could have died from that look. Just the eyes and the, and his skin wasn't even his skin. It was just, just death. Remember Joe Evans' shut the fuck up moment? The countenance on his face, I mean, it, 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 it truly, it changed from almost this casual everyday look to, I don't know, something out of a horror movie, because uh, his eyes got big, his voice changed. Well, there's science behind this. Predatory killers are usually sensation seekers. They're looking for physical highs, and they also have reduced fight-or-flight responses. So what we're seeing here is Hansen's physical response, dilated pupils, increased heart rate, respiration, and sweating, to a perceived danger or threat. And in his case, it's being made to face the consequences of his actions. The one common feeling among the people who witnessed Hansen in this state was that it appeared to be an intense form of rage. For Cindy, that look is seared into her memory forever. I had to get up and go to run out of the courtroom, go to the bathroom. I, I was so scared. They sent someone after me right away. I was in there, I squatched down, like, oh, I couldn't breathe. Yeah. I took my breath, and then I went right back in there. Because you're a survivor. Yeah, I faced him. Tell me how you felt when he was uh, sentenced. I know I pray for them women. I'm so grateful that I was able to do for them what they couldn't do. You know, I think that, you know, maybe the trials and tribulations that I went through as a child helped strengthen me to catch him. And that's why I had a wild, long, crazy life, is because I was made to suffer the sheer torture in hell. So all those women who couldn't, I could have a voice for them. So what happens next? He's sentenced, and what happens to you? I try to become normal. I go with Albanians, and I go to Mexico, and I have three sons, and I get married, get divorced, and uh, go to prison. What did you go to prison for? Uh, drugs. Mm -hmm. But you've gotten out of that many times, too. Yeah, yeah. You I've used up your nine yeah. lives. Yeah. That's the short version, but Hansen continued to haunt Cindy. There was even a coincidental connection between their two families. Do you want to tell me what the hell is that? Is that torture? Is that, I know where you are all the time, you fucking bitch. And I can have you anytime I want you or anyone in your family. I know everything about you. So you never felt once he was put away, you didn't have peace? Of course not. You know, I used to pay people to sit at the foot of the bed to watch me sleep so nobody could jump through the windows or nothing. Was that your fear of Hanson or your fear of like other people in your, in your life at that time? Well, it's just that it wasn't a fear. It was a phobia because I know Hanson could get to me anytime he wanted me. And that's, that was the main trigger. Who cared about anybody else? 
Yeah. If anybody else, I could handle them. What are they going to do? Beat me up? Come on, I can fight back. But Hanson's another thing. It's here, talking about this period of her life, when Cindy sounds the most scared of the entire interview. And it's also when she turned to drugs again. The first time I did meth, I was 38 years old. And I've had enough use to wreck a freight train. But wasn't some of your addiction to numb what had happened to of you? Of course, all of it was. However, it, it, I have to still own up to that. My children, their issues is not because of my story. Mm-mm. It's because of my drug abuse mm. and, and, and alcohol abuse that they had to go through. That's where their, their issues with me come from. You're yeah. really good about owning your stuff. I got to own that shit. And I got to tell them that. Hansen died in prison on August 21st, 2014. There is a rumor we cannot verify that his last words were, oh my God, they're all here. Cindy knows the date of Hansen's death by heart. When Hansen died, I called my mom bawling. I'm done, mom. I need help. I've had enough. Help me. And she got me to where I needed to get help. Cindy got sober just over six months after Hanson's death. And she's been sober ever since. He's dead. He's dead. Why do I got to run? And you know, I'm going to tell you guys, I owe a lot, if not all of it, to AA, to Alcoholics Anonymous. Because I can use that not only not to drink and use drugs, but every step of my life. It, it just... It saved my life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you are, you, are you also proud of yourself and what you've overcome and how, what you survived? Oh, yeah. I'm proud. Are you happy? Oh, yes. Listen, they have been the most happiest eight years. I have laughed hard, played hard, seen wonderful things that You'll, that you could never see again. I mean, sunsets, water on the beach, um, great things with my grandkids. It's almost like life is just beginning. It is. I have a wonderful family, very loving and kind. Yeah, I'm happy. And you know what? I'm not Felicia. I'm not Cindy. And um, I'm not any of them other aliases. No, you get you get to be you now. I get to be me. In just a couple of days, Cindy will head on a trip to New York and Washington with her friend and AA sponsor Vicky. They plan to rent bikes and ride around the monuments, see the Capitol building, and then visit the 9/11 memorial. They'll definitely eat some good food. Will you guys take a picture from the East Coast? We will. Just one yeah. shot from yeah. something. I would love to see oh, that. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> okay. See ya. <laughs> See you later. Drive careful. God bless. Okay. Bye. I'm in my rental car and I'm heading back to the airport. And what an amazing story. I think fearing him for decades afterward at least the way she described it, it's almost like that was as bad as the attack itself, this power he had over her that 
kind of just emotional, emotional prison. And it wasn't until he died in prison that Cindy really felt her life began. I'll never forget that interview. And I'm just so thankful that she trusted us with her story. When my producer Jess Lindevere and I set out to tell the story of Robert Hansen's crimes, we didn't want to make a mistake that's often made. We didn't want to focus just on Hansen himself. So there's a message here in all of this, one that Nisha, Christy Hayes' daughter, told me as her pit bull slept behind her. All I can say is the words on the street, they mean a lot, regardless of their drug addicts, if they are prostitutes, if they're pimps. They, they bleed just like everybody else. When Nisha said these words, that's the moment I knew what this podcast was about. And this was echoed by Cindy in that cold hotel room. With our sons and daughters, teach them compassion, understanding. It doesn't matter if, if she's a hooker or, or a stripper or pole dancer, or if she's a bag lady on the street. She's a human being. If she cuts, she bleeds. She has a heartbeat. She's somebody's baby. This has been season six of Mind of a Monster, The Butcher Baker. Before we begin the credits, I want to pay a special tribute to author Leland Hale, whose dedication to the truth and to original documents, along with his wit, intelligence, and in-depth understanding of this case, has given us so much. Thank you, Leland. Mind of a Monster, The Butcher Baker is produced by Arrow Media for ID. The executive producer for ID is Jessica Lowther. Arrow Media's producer is Jess Lindevere. Editor, Millie Tapner. Audio engineering by Mahoney Audio Post. Our line producer is Philippa Whittle. Our production manager is Alexandra Kelly. Our junior production manager is Jody Tanner-Wild. Our production coordinator is Shannon Tunicliffe. Our archive producer is Katia Lohm. And our assistant producer is Isabel Wilson. Glenn Flothy voiceover by Mike Bodie. Arrow Media's series producer is Gabrielle Nash, and executive producer is Stuart Pender. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Ward. You can follow this series wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you could take a minute to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Nickelodeon was kid everything. But that marked one of the darkest chapters. Three predators worked at Nickelodeon. It made me wonder who was being hurt. Quiet on set. An ID true crime event. Sunday, March 17th at 9. On ID and stream on Max.